Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. There's no place to escape to. This is the last time. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. Rochester. <laughs> what a beautiful Are you going to do this right now? No, I just want to say... Because you have a lot of backpedaling to do, my friend. I, I'm not going to be... I'm not going to be... Uh, what's the term? What's that? Uh, Incredulously cruel to a wonderful people? I will say this. I don't know Rochester very well. Some people were bumped about my representation of Rochester. And well, I'll tell some you people what, defended their hometown. Today's mm-hmm. episode is really going to solidify Rochester's... <laughs> Reputation as a wonderful city, um, but I will say I wanted to learn a little bit more. People were people were saying, "Oh, you know, you don't know Rochester." You're they right. Were, yeah. The closest thing we ever went to was Buffalo, where we had the saddest bar crawl of our entire tour. They Great people, kicking, though. They kept on mm-hmm. kicking us out of the bars, but we weren't even yelling. <laughs> I, I know we were just normal. But I will we're say right. one thing: I will say about Rochester, you don't have to remind everyone at the top of any article about Rochester that there's more than one city in New York State. Uh-huh. We know that technically. Technically, there are many cities yes, in New are. York Albany, State. Buffalo, yeah. Rochester, um, but I Syracuse. Wonderful Syracuse. things. Yeah. There are wonderful things in Synecdity. Rochester. Uh, there's so I many can, places. I can name a whole bunch of places. There's so many places to drink a pint of rum and not call your kids. But <laughs> Rochester, um, number one, do you know that it's known as Flower City? Huh. I did not know that. Why? Is it because of the holly? Is it the holly? The hollyhock? Is it's, that where uh, that's from? Nickname arose in the early to mid eighteen hundreds when the town boasted both a thriving mill industry and a profitable seed trade. I know you're trying to be nice, but you seem condescending. No, no, this is this is the truth. You wouldn't believe it. Do you know who's from Rochester? Who? Susan B. Anthony. Wow, wow, that's amazing. And I'm from Rochester, Texas. There you go. All right, and everyone. Rochester, Texas has one of the highest molester to person like population <laughs> density outside of Hollywood, Los Angeles. In the 90s, at least. Welcome to the last podcast on the left, everyone. I am Ben with Marcus and Henry, of course. Very good attempt at sort of walking back the negativity that you spread towards the wonderful people of Rochester, there, Mr. Zabrowski. There's so much. The the effusive love for the garbage plate could only be replaced <laughs> by the beloved white hot, 
which is a German American German American residents of Rochester would see that these were invented. These were pork based hot dogs uh-huh. that were invented during the 1920s as an economical alternative to the more expensive red ones. <laughs> well, there you go. Nothing wrong with that. Speaking of white hot, we are on to part two of our series on man, one of the worst scumbags we've ever covered. Uh, we've ever covered Arthur Shawcross. I I will say I've never felt so on brand this week. I was sitting and watching a documentary on cannibals while I was scraping my grill. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I had my grill out like I had, to, I had to scrape it all like, you know, I did a deep wash to get all the chunks that are kind of left from all the various just fucking experiments that I do on That's there. That's interesting because the last time we were over, you didn't have any propane in the gas, so we couldn't grill at all. So Because I was I've been grilled yeah. out. I, yeah. I did it all myself. <laughs> but it was just like watching like, you know, watching just ticket chiller going ha, ha, like inside the, the steel cage while he's like throat showing his dick at people and like flopping his weird, long, horrible Aww. thing. In it, and, you know, and then me just scraping all the chunks off I'm I'm like, this is me. <laughs> yeah, that's the suburban life your neighbors are horrified of. Now, once Arthur was released from prison in 1987 after serving a term of 15 years after pleading guilty to manslaughter and the murder of two children, Jeez. the parole board of New York State just didn't really know what to do with him. What do we do with this guy? <laughs> Give him a white hot and get him a job. I got told that quite often in the very beginning of my acting career of how oftentimes I would sit in a room truly with like a trigger puller of some very various entertainment establishment and they look at you and they literally it was like i i felt like a cattle at auction where they look at me and you you literally just go what do we do with you Uh (laughs) uh-huh and the next thing you know i'm standing behind a potted plant and the guy's just jerking off at me through the plant and he said i just wanted he called it jungle sniping oh my (laughs) welcome to watertown (laughs) well as far as the parole board was concerned Arthur Shawcross, quote, lacked emotional disturbance and was in good contact with reality and in good control of his mental facilities. So they had a hard time understanding why nobody wanted a double child murderer in their community. Do you just have to be slightly dumber than a school bus driver to get on the parole board in Rochester? <laughs> How the hell did they think? Okay, this is New York State parole board. This like, is this New is York a, State. Okay, this is overall like these are the people that are seeing all, overseeing all federal crimes for parolees. Okay. You have to have one eye that can drift so far to the other side that it sees a whole other room Ooh. to choose who gets let out. But I also wonder. I there it seems like there's just a general stigma. This just shows the institutionalized stigma against people with mental disorders because I think that they truly do believe that if you are a cannibal and a child molester, really, really, right. you would be in a cage going like, da, 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 <laughs> sure. and not be like simple Art Shawcross just sitting there just being like, there mistakes made. I told him I didn't want him to be fishing, and that's just the punishment that he got for being interested in worms. And they're all like, that makes sense. He's not yelling. He's not eating a human (laughs) right now during the parole hearing, so there's no way he's going to (laughs) re-offend. Well, first, the parole board tried putting Arthur in Binghamton. And even though he was ordered to stay away from playgrounds and other places where children might congregate, the community still didn't necessarily trust him. What has this guy got to do to get back in? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe he should start an ice cream truck. That would be nice. (laughs) Or I I bring a clown to your home service. That sounds very cool. But the problem with New York State was that they were arresting and incarcerating so many people during their ongoing 
battle, participating in the war on drugs. Uh-huh. Uh, crack was New York's specialty. They didn't really have time to keep tabs on child murderers. So when Shawcross started missing meetings with his parole officer, they didn't notice. What? And when Shawcross attacked a female acquaintance by grabbing her crotch and body slamming her, then stealing hundreds of dollars in property from her home, the report got lost in the shuffle. Got too many drug offenses to deal with. I just feel like that that was like that's like enough. I feel that that's enough. That is enough. <laughs> yeah, he's acting like Andy Kaufman, but without the. With, but he's without not on cameras. the set of Letterman. Yeah, 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 yeah. cameras. <laughs> Dude, that's the difference between a performer and a sex offender, which is what I guess R. Kelly got all like mixed up in his head. Yeah, he did. Yes, indeed. Well, about the only thing the law cared about at this time was Arthur's $148 commissary bill from his time in prison. It's always about fucking you didn't pay the bill. Yeah, it's like it's a I don't lot of white hots. It took me. It takes <laughs> <laughs> that's all. That's like forty-seven hundred white hots. <laughs> Truly, like you know, how long does it take to get a fucking cable guy at the house? But I tell you what, they call me three times a day looking for that cable box I haven't brought back. Yeah, I'm supposed <laughs> to bring one back as well. I don't think that's going to happen. Nope. No. <laughs> now Arthur did come close to being arrested again for the grave offense of not paying his bill, but his mother ended up taking care of it, and Arthur remained free. But even though the authorities weren't keeping an eye on Arthur, the people of Binghamton were. And after Arthur was seen hanging around a park asking kids to go fishing, just as he'd done with Jack Blake, the townspeople chased him out with burning torches in the middle of the night like the monster he was. This is such a fun opportunity. For what? (laughs) To be able to be a part of a giant haranguing mob. Like, a reasonable, I mean, not only do you get to be correct, yes, righteous that's anger, true. <laughs> true, powerful, righteous anger, like, of being out there, and because this isn't just some fucking, a, a bunch of incels with tiki torches, right. this is people, you are getting rid of Freddy Krueger, you're chasing Freddy Krueger out of the neighborhood, but you gotta also understand, just, uh, and this is for, for anybody else about to join a haranguing mob, if you set fire to the child molester, he does come back more powerful and can kill you when you sleep. Technically, Freddy was just a child killer, he never molested it. Anybody. I know, I know. In defense, and he was very funny. <laughs> I'm not defending Freddy Krueger. I'm just saying he was not a child monster. He was a child killer. You're right. But then he did have a sense of humor. You're which, right, which, which allows, was compelling. It really does a lot of a lot of people to get away with a lot of shit, like yeah. us our entire lives. Mm-hmm. And all the while, Arthur was dragging around the person who would become his fourth wife, Rose oh Marie Wally, who was described as a stout Mormon woman who rarely raised her voice above a mumble. We really called her the rock of the family simply because her behavior and appearance was that of a giant boulder. I got it. I got it. Thank you, Art. Rose, like many of Arthur's romantic conquests, was older, a motherly type who'd started writing letters to Arthur in prison just before she divorced the old man she was married to. Wait, what was the turn on? The man killed... Okay, let's just go backwards. He killed two children. Yeah. Yes. What was so? This isn't even like the Ted Bundy. This isn't even someone who has any kind of charm you whatsoever. Why would is, he find love in prison? This is old Art Shawcross. So he doesn't quite look the way Art Shawcross. He looks never now. looked good. This is he was about like in his late thirties, early forties. Yeah, this point. he didn't look fully like a character from a Pixar movie yet. 
Like he at uh. this point, like he looks, he just had a very, very weird head. And I think that when we covered it with uh, serial killers and the women who loved them in a previous episode, right. there's something just about this, this fixer upper mentality of like, maybe I can fix the monster. Also, I'm scared of the monster, but if I'm fucking the monster, maybe then I'm personally safe from the monster. It just mm-hmm. seems strange given the crime of killing two children. Usually yeah. it's not that oh, you know, yeah, It's not, it doesn't create a fucking wet-ass pussy? Usually not! Once Arthur was out of prison, Rose left the old man and hooked up with Arthur. And even though they'd been run out of Binghamton, where Arthur was obviously gearing up to kill another child, and this was weeks, if not months, after being released from prison, Rose stuck by him. Jeez. After Binghamton, they tried the town of Delhi, where Rose's family lived. But when local police were informed that a convicted child killer had been moved to their sleepy little community, he and Rose were chased out of town once again. Uh, you can just see the sheriff now driving down the streets being like, wake up! Wake up! We got a child killer on the loose. But that's kind of why I appreciate the idea of putting them in little trailer parks. I know that they do that, but then you got them all in one group. Well, and then they get to hang out. In New York City, there's an apartment complex uh, that is just full of pedophiles because it's not close to any parks or schools. And do you think they... And they just hang out. Do you think they all join together like a rat king, but you'd call it a brat king? I think... I think that they probably laugh and talk like like alcoholics in AA, uh, in AA about the smell of whiskey, but whiskey wasn't their addiction. <laughs> it's disgusting. Now, at this point, the parole board had a dilemma. Nobody wanted a child murderer in their community, but they very well couldn't send Arthur back to prison. So, in a decision that would get 12 women killed, oh my God. the parole board decided that what the local police didn't know wouldn't hurt him. Oh my God, that's the wrong answer. Yes. <laughs> Hoping that a larger town would grant him the anonymity he needed to turn over a new leaf, the parole board placed him in Rochester, New York, and neglected to tell local law enforcement that a double child murderer was in their midst. And wow. since he was only convicted of manslaughter, he wasn't on the sex offender registry either. Oh, and manslaughter, it sounds so fun. And just, he's, like, he's just like, he like, you know, he won the garbage plate challenge. Don't forget that. <laughs> and the manslaughter, whatever. Yeah, I imagine he could definitely pound down a bunch of liquid food like the garbage plate. He mm-hmm. had a big throat. Oh, God, this parole board, everyone on there is complicit in the murder of these 12 women. So with what amounted to a clean slate, Shawcross moved to Rochester and got hired at Brognia Brothers Produce by weaving <laughs> even more more tall tales to explain away his time in prison he told his employers that the manslaughter charge was for a revenge killing against the drunk driver who had killed his wife yeah so his his fantasy he became like a mel gibson movie in his later (laughs) career with any luck i'll be played by liam neeson one day (laughs) but if people asked him what he really went to jail for he'd say he was a hitman for the mob well uh it was either that or a large fart I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. All I know is I had a job, and that's that's. I want to be congratulated for that first, because you have any idea how hard it is to get all your receipts together for your taxes of being a hitman? Just you know, if you're going to hire someone that's been that's been 15 years in prison, I love you know. We got to get people look at uh, that great the Waffle House. 
All of those yeah. chefs, they spend time in prison. That's great. And you can feel their their like love of freedom in the food. The food is amazing. <laughs> but just as soon as they are like, as soon as the story becomes too good, you just got to do a, just go and look at, in this case, microfiche. Go <laughs> to the local library, just search for this guy. I guarantee you a, a new story will come up. I feel like these are the proto extensions of his Vietnam tall tales, mm. where he really kind of knew how to tell a tall tale, like and and create a, a sense of mystery. And later on, like as I watch more and more interviews of Archer Cross, he never tells a story the same way twice. No, uh, the entire time, every single he changes so much shit. And I think immediately you would say, "Oh, he's a liar." Like, and yeah. I do agree that he is a pathological liar. But I also think that there is a good deal of straight up red, white, and blue brain damage that he has <laughs> that is just allows him to live in a fog where sometimes I don't think he knows the difference between what's real and what's fake. Okay. Pretty soon, though, the antisocial behavior of Arthur Shawcross began again, and he started slamming part-time employees he didn't like against the wall by their necks, in between telling gruesome Vietnam stories to whichever co-worker would listen. Hey, Art, can we just sit down at the... Hi, I'm Brett from HR, and um, we just really feel like we don't know if you're a solid fit of the office environment. Like, you know, because every office... Imagine an office is like a swamp, and oh, yeah. each desk is like a lily pad, and each person at their desk is like a gecko on a lily pad. Aww, and you have to think cute. about, mm, what, kind of, what kind of flies are you bringing to the swamp today, Arthur? Sure. I'm bringing the flies of all the little girls I watched decapitated down in the book. <laughs> and them, every day they let me out and they said, Art, go kill them more today. And I said, no, 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 I want to bring uniforms to people in the bathroom. And they're like, no, Art, you have to be a human killing machine today. Mm, Art, this is kind of what I'm saying <laughs> about office swamps and geckos and <laughs> stop fingering the plums art well he then started sexually harassing a 24 year old co-worker named loretta neal and when his bosses told him to leave her alone he whined that everyone else in the joint was fucking her so he didn't know why he couldn't try too but the bizarre thing about his harassment of loretta neal was that it instead developed into an ongoing relationship between Arthur and Loretta's mother, Clara, who sounds like a real piece of work. Well, you shoot for the stars. Wait, is it? Wait, yeah, you <laughs> shoot for the stars. If you miss, then you can land down in the shit. <laughs> with Clara. Okay. When he started to have an affair with the only way I could describe Clara is that she looks like the, the old lady from the Fratellis in the Goonies. Oh. Oh, well, she was actually kind of a good mom, if you take into account how well-fed Sloth was. <laughs> See, Clara met Shawcross one day, picking up Loretta from work. And Clara became somewhat smitten by Shawcross's dyed black hair and just his general vibe. According to Clara, she said, I had never experienced love at first sight. What? But when I saw Art for the first time, I was like... Oh my god. That's the most wonderful man I've ever seen. I swear to god, she's just like when I saw Art walk in for the first time when I was in the room with him, it was like time stopped. And I'm like, what are you I'm fucking talking about? It. I just don't see it. I don't know. 
Pretty soon, Shawcross had Clara's number, and he started calling Clara when he abused Rose, flipping it by saying she was the abuser. Then he'd go to Clara's to weep all night while she held him, which, for Arthur Shawcross, was foreplay. Yeah. I'm disgusted. Yeah. I'm gonna, you know, I need a white hot right now just so I can feel something good. It's only going to get more disgusting from here. This is Great. one of the grossest stories we've ever told. Yay. Awesome. I'm just so happy. <laughs> I didn't just watch that Nexium documentary. I'm not triggered and traumatized. I need this today. It's just something about taking an almost 300 pound man in your arms like a giant mule and horny baby and just knowing that he's just like that every minute you tuck him closer to your bosom and he's just getting more and more just rock. Up. One of his uh, ex-wives said that he would request that she rub his back when he was weeping, and he would make noises like a little boy. <laughs> I want to. W- I wish I could have a ball to play with or some kind of jacks, but all I got. <laughs> Is this dick in my big left hand? Uh, uh, <laughs> my goodness, it's actually a very tiny hand and a massive dick. It's actually, <laughs> it's interesting, his hands were massive. Were they big? Yeah. His hands were specifically massive, and then he experienced, uh, he got nerve damage in his left hand. And this is also one of those weird, like, you know when a guy brags, a, he, something, God knows, he fell off a ladder in Vietnam as well. I forgot, we forgot to talk about too. He had another yeah. head injury in Vietnam yeah. and he got nerve injury, he got a nerve injury in his left hand and he said he, it's like for a while, I couldn't feel anymore. And then in a way that, you know when a guy brags about a thing that you're like, why are you telling me it this? It doesn't matter, He's yeah. been like, so I spend as much time as possible making my left hand as strong as it could be by gripping and twisting right. and gripping, lifting a brick. Lifting the brick. Lifting the Just brick. being like, why yeah. are you doing this? Why did you do this except to prepare to kill sex workers? Yeah. Well, other times, when Shawcross got upset, he'd bike over to Clara's house and borrow her Dodge Omni to drive for hours on the back roads and highways of upstate New York. And before he knew it, he was cruising the red light district of Rochester. Oh, my. All right. Well, you know, you know my feelings. But yeah, yeah. Well, please, can you be nice to the people of Rochester? And I have to say, everyone that defended Rochester, it must be a nice city because we've never had such, I'm going to call it blowback, for something, for a, for a, for, for jokes that were made. Since the, also the uh, mispronunciation of Oregon, because everyone knows it's actually pronounced Oregon. No, it's uh-huh. Oregon. And people Oregon. get so upset about it yes. for some reason. Or when we mispronounced Helena, which which is pronounced uh, Helena, or I, when we said Helena and it's pronounced Helena, I can't I remember, and not nor do I care. Well, it does matter <laughs> when it comes to the postal service. But when this, I want to f- experience. Like, I feel like we should throw some saucy saxophone over this because this is really when it gets. Yeah. Like, again, we're making Rochester sexy again. That's what this whole episode's about. I Arthur don't Shaw know. Cross is one of those guys who is just something about the streets of Rochester. Or put him in a in a mood. I don't know, man. The way I remember people defending their small towns back in Texas, you know, when people get a little upset, I say the lady doth protest too much. Ooh. Whoa, jeez. <laughs> My sister is the best gift giver I've ever met of any person. It's Jackie Zabrowski. She shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it, but guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. 
All right, give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the Aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional. And we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest and... I guess I can share it here. I, I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine. And it's an addiction. And it's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins. As soon as I wake up. And a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God, I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp! H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. Now, we don't know exactly what the trigger for Shawcross's second murder spree was, but according to his fourth wife, Rose, the change in Arthur's behavior to a more openly psychopathic personality was caused by a clock. 
See, Shawcross, always looking for his mother's approval, was obsessed with buying his mother the perfect Christmas present every year. And for Christmas 1987, Shawcross thought he'd found the gift to top them all. Oh, ho, ho, what's it going to be? <laughs> Something about a 300-pound serial killer. Because I'm just going to say he's already a serial killer, yes. like if you've already done it. But you're a 300-pound serial killer just riffling through Michael's. Trying to find the proper thing, be like, no, oh, no. sir. Can I help you right here? Uh, Sam here with Michaels. Uh, can I help you out? Do you want anything? I, we have a we have a sale on barbecues. I'll tell you what. What I really need is a gift that will just allow me to number one achieve the succor that only a mother's breast can give. The succor that allows a man to grow fully into being. We have man. pool noodles. And then number two, I just need to find some kind of tell, some kind of sign that Jesus maybe will come and intervene and stop me from doing the horrible actions that I plan to do. Maybe an outdoor patio set. And again, Art, <laughs> I know me, I can't believe we're shopping here together. Yes, Bread for, bread for HR. This is more of an attitude adjustment scenario oh. that I feel that we all could get into. So imagine Imagine you're a tree and I'm a river. (laughs) Well, that Christmas, Arthur saved up $60 and bought a nine-piece wood-carved clock set that included candle holders and inlays of Christ on the cross. And he invited his parents to Rochester for the holiday so he could present his mother with the gift. Oh, my. But his parents refused to come. And when Arthur mailed it instead, they mailed it back. Because the clock was, as his mother explicitly told him, quote, Trash and a waste of money. It was only $60. (laughs) It's got crucified Jesus on it. You don't love that? Arthur Shawcross raped and killed two little kids. You don't, you wonder why Christmas was a bummer that year? I guess it was the (laughs) clock's fault. Well, Arthur was devastated. And three months later, he began murdering once again. Okay, I don't think that, is it really tied to a clock? It, I mean, you never know what's going to set these guys off. Sure. What's going to be the thing that sends them, you know, that sends them into a murderous rage. And it could also be that Arthur Shawcross, like a lot of serial killers, you know, the first uh, ac- the first murder is somewhat of what they call an accident. But it's really just them letting go. It's okay. the tip of an iceberg. Yeah, that we're just yes. seeing. We're just finally it's finally just coming to light. But it, this is very similar to Son of Sam. Dave Berkowitz doing flipping out when he found out like his adopted mother didn't want to meet out. He's just looking for an excuse. Right. Arthur Shawcross this whole time is such a bitch. Every single thing has to be validated to him later on so he can feel like some hyper-masculine, like I'm an Avenger. I did all of this for a purpose. All of this serves a purpose. Mm -hmm. So each one of these has become a massive like a sign in his mind. Like the clock became like you could see the, the pressure of like this year he's like it's like Ernest saves Christmas he's right. like we're gonna save Christmas this year and this clock's gonna do it meanwhile but Ernest like, caused a lot of mayhem though didn't he he, he did but and Ernest he almost did save Christmas again did he? didn't molest and murder two children not for Ernest goes to jail I no, don't think yes, no, that was taxes I think that was taxes I'm pretty sure no you mentioned Arthur Shawcross as an Avenger and I am playing the Avengers video game I haven't unlocked him yet um, but I, I'm currently playing as Iron Man. Uh, I'm sure at some point he'll be showing up, just jerking off behind a bush. I don't know what he does as a superpower, but uh, by March of 1988, Arthur had already been visiting the streetwalk and sex workers of Rochester on a regular basis. So he was a known quantity to the girls on the street. To them, he was just Mitch, the creep in the borrowed Dodge Omni, who for some reason 
loved 69 more than anything, and in fact seemed a little overly obsessed with vaginas. This is why I want to ask the sex worker population that listens to our show. How often do you meet a guy named Mitch who is shaped, uh, again, the odd, the oddest person? He is shaped like a, a perennial reference, like Bobo from uh, oh, Nothing, Nothing But Trouble. But Nothing Trouble, but trouble. sure. Yeah. This yeah. guy, because number one, I know from personal experience, having a big belly makes 69ing a little bit difficult. You get a lot right? of fighting to do, <laughs> it's just, yeah. It's just more difficult, and it depends on the woman. It that way. It's just a little bit difficult. <laughs> so you have to add just the curve of the belly to the line of the 69. How right. often is it that you meet a guy for the first time, and the first thing he says to you is, I want to go down under. But I don't mind the, the, it's not even the eating out, it's the flip. It's the whole flip, because it's a very intimate move. I mean, is this, this is all taking place in a Dodge Omni? Is he uh-huh. doing 69 yeah. in the car? It's a hatchback. In the car. Yeah, yeah. Well, sometimes he goes, he's kind of like Andre Ticatillo. Sometimes he goes to fields uh, and certain other places that sex workers in Rochester knew were safe for business. But remember, also, he, uh, if you're talking about the curve of the belly, remember he had that fucking disturbingly large penis. Mm. It's going to go up further. The flagpole goes higher. So Look you're saying that. that he was like... It's more of a 71. So he was built... <laughs> For 69 Yeah, could wow. be, could be. But there was no <laughs> bathing or anything before this. He just kind of dove no. right oh, in no, no, no. to the he 69. Was, he was yeah. covered with a, a workman's glint. Okay. He had the scent of a man at the cheese factory. Yes, indeed. Every time fresh from the cheese factory, mm. he'd go, and the first thing he'd wanted to do was really just... Rustle in the bushes. With any luck, <laughs> with any luck, he's French. Mm, fromage. So, when Arthur picked up 27-year-old Dotsie Blackburn on the night of March 18th for a $30 half-and-half, she didn't think much of it. But according to Arthur, the whole transaction went awry during the 69. It happens when you're in love. You know what I mean? It happens normally that there are uh, there are uh, transactions during the 69 can go awry. Well, yes, you've got to be very careful. What happened? Well, he couldn't stay hard. And after a few minutes, Shawcross said that Dotsie bit his penis. And when she did, he bit her vagina and tore off part of her labia with his teeth. Ugh. He then turned around and choked her until she passed out. Ugh. While she was unconscious, he tied her arms behind her back with her pants and her legs together with her shirt. And when she woke up, he told her that he wasn't the same person she'd gotten in the car with. That, to me, is the most <sighs> chilling thing I've heard from him. And that, that is a thing that comes up again and again, that sentence, when he turns to her and he says, I'm not the same person you got in the car with. And how that, that just scary. flips. Because he was a very big man. Like, he yeah. was 300 pounds, six foot four. <sighs> when he asked her why she bit him, she called him a little man and hissed that she did it because she fucking felt like it. So Arthur slapped her and drove her further down the back roads outside of Rochester. Eventually, he pulled over to one of his favorite fishing spots near a bridge over Salmon Creek and got out of the car to use a handful of snow to clean his bloody penis and maybe stop some of the pain. But even though he was still bleeding, he put on a condom and announced he was going to rape Dottie. When she laughed and called him a little man again, he whispered in her ear that she was going to die. Then he chewed off that same ear and choked her to death. Oh my God. But with Dottie, just like he did with most of his victims, he didn't choke hard enough to break the hyoid bone, which is usually what coroners use to determine strangulation as the cause of death. Instead, he used what coroners call 
soft strangulation, squeezing just tight enough to close the windpipe, which took quite a bit longer. The way he described Oof. his method was that he basically would just use the left hand and press his entire body weight down on the hand and just hold it and base until they stop. So this is probably what I mean. How what are we talking? Five minutes? Ten minutes? Yeah, he said ten. between. Yeah, it, ten it, minutes. It can he go. He said ten minutes usually. Oh man, it can go up to it. And I honestly think one of the worst crimes that Arthur Shawcross ever committed was his pronunciation of the word vagina, which is the only <laughs> thing that he is. It's it's just something haunts me where he goes. Vagina. Calling it a vagina is just like, I just like, ugh. ugh. Maybe they should have, like, just asked him about any of these things in the parole hearing. You know, just (laughs) like, just maybe just show him a vagina and just be like, what would you do with that? Like, man, all of this could have been prevented. Well, after killing her, he sat with her dead body for hours. But finally, he pulled the corpse out of his car, carried it 30 feet, and dropped it in the river. He then drove the 15 miles back to Rochester and had a cup of coffee at his favorite diner while reading the newspaper. Oh, and his favorite diner, by the way, a Dunkin' Donuts. So I, would, <laughs> no, I, would, I, I think a diner is a long walk in terms of calling it that. Um, he <laughs> said he had his, that's what he said. He's like, I had my favorite Dunkin' Donuts I went to. That's where I went to relax. That's where my friends were. That's the people that I knew. Wow. So he's just eating munchkins, drinking coffee, reading the paper like yep. nothing happened. Yep. And he, it's Ugh. interesting, too, that he, him sitting with the dead body, I think, is the first tell that he truly is the serial killer he's going to be. As that yeah. he sits mm. with the dead body. I know at first it probably, it sounded like he said that he, you know, he calmed down and he sat and he looked at what he, what he did and he was trying to work it out in his head. But a lot of serial killers talk about this, which is the concept of the silence afterwards. And this sort of like, this feeling of... Oh, I just scratched an itch that I've had for a very long time that I didn't know that I had. Definitely changes the meaning of that Simon and Garfunkel song. With the sound of silence? Yeah. Yeah, yes. I (laughs) don't think it's about that. I don't think Art Garfunkel is sitting on (laughs) a pile of bodies somewhere, but he might be. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Well, Arthur then waited until daylight to see how much blood he'd spilt in Clara Neal's Dodge Omni. Because remember, this is a borrowed car. Oh, my. Okay. And as it turned out, he'd spilled quite a bit of blood. Oh, he did? So Arthur did the best job he could cleaning it up and told Clara that the excess blood was from a fish he'd gutted. And she said, all right. All right, tell you what, Art, I wish you'd stop turning my car into a butcher shop, but I don't want you to stop turning my downstairs into a butcher shop. <laughs> God, stop I hope you're My God, my friend David at Dodge Omni in college, great car. <laughs> this is a, I feel like this is the this most is, controversial stance you've taken. You're the deep Dodge into Omni the Dodge is a Omni. Very good car. I think Arthur Shawcross is the worst taste in cars I've ever heard of a serial it's killer. It's not his car. It's, I know, but he still borrowed it. It was his favorite car. He was afraid to drive. Well, Arthur claimed that for about a week after the murder, he was in a daze. But when the fog lifted, he couldn't think about anything else. But particularly, couldn't think about anything else but doing it again. Were there any 
media reports being like body found in the Rochester woods. So nobody seemed to care in Rochester. No. As far as the discovery of the body went, it froze under the waters of the river and was discovered by a hunter when the spring thaw came six days after the murder. And even though the body was terribly mutilated with multiple bite marks on the vagina, a mangled ear, and obvious signs of psychopathy on the perpetrator's part... The cops ruled it is most likely it was probably a dissatisfied client, maybe the pimp, and they declared it a DNI. Do not investigate. What? It, it may have been a slip and fall. I you never know. <laughs> Sometimes, I mean, girls fall and catch their vaginas on dandelions every time. You know how many times I've seen a girl leave her whole vagina on the side of a cliff? <laughs> Good Lord. Yeah. And about two weeks after the body was discovered, Shawcross saw a court-mandated psychiatrist. And hiding his newly awakened homicidal tendencies, Arthur impressed the doctor with his improvement and was deemed in no further need of visits. Honestly, you know, it takes a village. That's what it, <laughs> it, it takes does. a village to raise a child or a serial killer in this case. But it also just shows this is how deep. I mean, it's you're the one talking to the psychiatrist. So the psychiatrist can only know what you tell him. Yeah. So we have this idea of we're throwing him into this being like, no, we're monitoring him. Meanwhile, like. I mean, the guy can say whatever the fuck it is he wants to. Is it possible the psychiatrist was just lazy as hell? I don't know. And just wanted to be like, another job well done? I think it was more overworked. I mean, all of these guys were so overworked. They had so many people to deal with, and there were so few of them to actually do the jobs. I mean, this happens in social services all the time, where you've just got, they've just got too much to do. Arthur, you got to get out of here. You're totally fine. We've got little uh, Timmy coming in. He's addicted to weed. And so I think we're going to have to see him. <laughs> marijuana <the> <laughs> marijuana yeah. is one of the worst things to ever happen to this country. And I tell you what, <laughs> I am because I have been like, my whole thing right now is I've been super into murdering. Marijuana is one of the most dangerous substances in the country right now. It makes your hair grow long and makes you gay for vagina. I've heard that. It's it's an institutional thing. No matter who a person is, uh, if you pile too much work on top of them, they're going to burn out and shit's going to go wrong. Of course. Well, meanwhile, the boys at Bragnia Brothers had discovered the whole child murder thing after state police came up to check on Arthur for one reason or another, even though the stateies still didn't tell local law enforcement about Shawcross. I think we I think legally for all of our employees, we should ask them in one round. Hey, you ever killed a child (laughs) even accidentally? (laughs) Travis? Have you? We, no can't lose, we cannot lose our number one employee, okay? No, I know. That's why we haven't asked Travis. Yes, yes. Exactly. We just, we can't, because the work is so good, and I feel like he's rebuilding mm-hmm. from anything that's happened in the past. And all of our employees are equal. Wonderful people. <laughs> I'm HR! <laughs> now, getting fired filled Shawcross with rage, as firings usually do for serial killers. So, he returned to Rochester's red light district on July 9th, 1988, the day he was fired, to find the second victim of his second murder spree. Mm. <laughs> sexy saxophone. I don't know if there's a sexy saxophone involved here. I don't think it's very sexy. I'm no, going to say, it's, I'm like gonna it. say it's, a, it's, if anything, it's every like time, a bagpipe. This is what I'm saying about the term red light district. Every single time you, you say mean? red light district, I yeah. am imagining a little cafe, and then you go and there's the girl behind the, the sure. plate glass, and Detective she's just like, flipping a coin. I yeah. will tell you this one time I had sex with a man who told me he was an octopus. And you're like, you're like, oh, cool. What an exotic time this is. 
Charlotte. No, Red Light District in Rochester, it's just a bunch of abandoned buildings. It's like former industrial sites where all the jobs have gone over to China. But if you... You guys, it's the Red Light District. I just <laughs> say... How nice, it's so much better to say than industrial. Well, the fuck spot. Yeah. Okay. Well, the second victim's name was Anna Marie Stephan, and Shawcross approached her in July of 1988. He was walking by the Princess Restaurant when he saw her, and she offered him a quote-unquote date for the meager price of $20. So, Arthur agreed, and they walked to a nearby waterfall that was known as a teenager hookup spot and a local sex worker haven. And that's where the 69 began. <laughs> Jesus, Marcus. <laughs> Are we changing the intro of our show? <laughs> that's when the 69 started. I actually struggled with, in writing this. It's like, what is the better way to say this? Like, what is the more writerly way to say this? Or the more, uh, I guess, classy way of saying it? There's no other classy way. That, there's no classy way to say 69. I, you know what? To be honest. Double oral? Double, that's classier. <laughs> and there's not, I mean, 69 is not, is not, it's not necessarily not classy. It's just this situation. Upside down fine time. See, there we go. <laughs> but if you, I think that the 69 actually begins at dinner. <laughs> I'm going to kill you. But after trying to have sex for 40 minutes with Arthur's big, floppy, limp penis, Anna gave up and got dressed. Just the look on Kissel's face is so funny and big floppy <laughs> penis. No, it's just I, I didn't. So he has erectile. He's got ED, but this is like relatively new because this it is, it is very similar to Chikatilo. It is yeah. very very similar where it seems to be a purposeful trigger spot. He know he has ED. He can't. He has a. He's always had a problem getting it up. This is what they've every one of his wives talked about. He couldn't sexually function properly, and so he would put himself purposely in a position where it would be challenged. And then he has what he then views as somebody he views as a lesser, which is a, a, a sex worker. And then that becomes the the way that we talk about all the time the little allowances. Yeah, the validation. That's like one of them. He is doing it on purpose. That's my yeah. opinion, but I think he's yeah. doing it on purpose. Sure, of course. Yeah. Well, he blamed her for his inability to perform, and he was pissed off that she decided to keep the money, because after all, he had taken 40 minutes of her time. Yeah. And so Arthur began sweating. See, Arthur claimed that he knew a murder was coming when gobs of salty sweat began pouring from his skin, and that's exactly what happened with Anna Stefan. Wet with perspiration, Shawcross grabbed her by the throat and held her head underwater. And when she died, he simply let the current take her body away before he wrapped her dress in a rock and tossed it in the river. The body wasn't found for another two months, mysteriously hidden downstream under garbage and roofing materials. Mm. Now, this led police to speculate that maybe a construction worker had done it. But the speculation didn't go any further than conversations at the scene. Do you think it's possible that Patrick from SpongeBob SquarePants, do you think it's possible he did it? <laughs> Unfortunately, do, we're going to have to call the underwater police for this. Oh, yeah. I have to call my friend Detective Mermaid to come check this yeah. out. Yeah, they just don't really give a shit. It seems know? like it, yeah. They don't care. 
Oh, I mean, that's how it goes with every single serial killer that we've ever covered when they murder sex workers. The cops don't investigate and nobody notices until there's a gigantic pile. Think of how long it took before Robert Picton's murders were right. investigated. It was something like 20. Those were also technically like seasonal workers because mm. they used to come in and out of town. So they were, they, they kind of had this excuse of, the cops had this excuse of, oh, well, you know, girls just pick up and leave whenever they're done with the job and all this kind of shit. But meanwhile, it just takes, what we'll see is a kind of, the the neighborhood has to get involved eventually. Eventually, yeah. Rochester and everybody has to get together because like, there is like the myth, the idea that like nobody's looking for these sex workers. Like they still have people that are looking for them, but for the cops to pay attention, for it to move their needle, the, everybody's got to come out and say something and it takes a while especially when they're not reporting it what they're else? not talking about it they keep just saying that all of this is just occupational hazards i what else was going on to the point where the cops didn't take this seriously i feel like if i was a detective i would be like well we have a case here i'm actually going to try to solve this like it's it what else was going on that that distracted them from this there were murders. I mean, despite yep. what people say, Rochester was not an idyllic place. There were a lot of murders <laughs> in Rochester in the late 80s. Oh, yes, I've heard that. that. <laughs> I mean, it's still like Rochester is not a tiny town. No. I mean, it's okay. big enough where there's a, a fair amount of murders to uh, to speculate. Because they said at one point, they, well, they were, you know, we'll get into it later, but they were very reticent to admit that they had a serial killer. They thought they had, they, had, they, they thought they had like four or five killers. But we know that too, right? Serial killers are a stigma on a police station because they're notoriously hard to catch. And Mm -hmm. then you set up a dynamic between you and a serial killer as a police department. So now you're in this like cat and mouse game with this active killer that then it is very highly publicized immediately because you got a serial killer in Rochester, New York, and all you are, the pressure's up. And so Mm -hmm. what you have to then do is you then have to fucking catch this guy. You have to do it where meanwhile you keep anonymously shuffling these murders around and you can kind of like pass the buck for a little bit until the heat builds up. Officer Kissel, we've got a job for you. How big is that dress? Put that on. You're working the night shift. I would have found this guy in a heartbeat. Well, also, uh, I mean, uh, to on the other side of it, serial killers are exceedingly rare. Yeah, uh, right. Most of the time, it. Re- I mean, because cops are always looking for the simplest possible a- explanation. Because when it comes to you know homicide detection, you know Occam's razor usually applies. Yeah, so it's they always don't the husband. D- it's like it's yeah. always the husband. It's always the wife. It's always somebody personally connected. Like ninety percent of the time, it's right. somebody who knows the victim. This yeah. is the hardest thing to to put together because you have to figure out well why like what are the what are the questions of like why is he killing how does he choose who he kills and then you just find out sometimes it's highly planned if it's a btk it's somebody who has been hunting and watching their per, their victim for a very long time and then sometimes it's just like whoever's unlucky yeah well after the murder of Marie stephan Arthur Shawcross was no longer required to explain away the prison sentence long gap in employment. So he was able to get a job at G&G Food Service making macaroni and pasta salads. <laughs> See, that's the reason why I don't like uh, I don't like macaroni salad from the store. No. no. I mean, no. not anymore. I had no problem with it as of five seconds ago. <laughs> I just don't like it. I like a nice pesto salad. Sure. Gelson's. What are you putting in this art? This is the best macaroni salad I have ever had in my entire life. My <laughs> art, what are you putting in it really? It's calm. My wife loves it. 
God, that's disgusting. He worked in food service. It is. <laughs> oh, he always you know, worked in food service. I hate yeah. that. I hey, just man, hate it. He had a hairnet on. It's fine. <laughs> the only acceptable reason to interrupt a podcast: your dog. That was your dog saying thank you for BarkBox. You can take a minute now. You bet your dog. But you're going to learn about Bark. It's the company dedicated to making dogs happy. Yay! Every month, BarkBox designs and delivers a whole new collection of toys and treats just for your best bud. No, Wendy, I can't get you a whip. You're too cute for weapons. Every treat is made with yummy, healthy, all-natural ingredients like pumpkin and sweet potato. Mmm, tubers! My dogs love their toys selectively. But BarkBox sends good little ones for the little tiny mouths. They have little mouths, but strong, big spirits. So they fight over the little toys. I imagine they think that they are hunting and going after little bugs and rats. And, oh, they love their life. And they love the, They love what BarkBox brings. Because BarkBox brings the bark and puts it in a box. Yep. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com slash L-E-F-T. No matter what kind of work you do, how you communicate is key. All those emails, reports, and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done. Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. And isn't that what matters most? Better writing means a stronger impact. Grammarly works across 500,000 apps and websites. You can't escape it. Like the ever-pervasing octopus of malice that is the NSA. Grammarly is watching your every move, making sure that you're doing it right. Data privacy and security are woven into the foundation of Grammarly, into the very essence of its nature. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner, and it helps your team make their point and move faster, because that's the key there. Work smarter, not harder. Yes, Grammarly. You know how many times it saves me from writing a long, rambling, one-sentence email at 4 o'clock in the morning to my beloved employees? Makes me sound like someone who doesn't just have a BA in theater. All right? I was taught how to be a tree. I was not taught how to survive as an adult. All right? My job was to cry in front of a weird Southern man who just told me all sorts of weird stuff about my body. I didn't learn how to write. So thank you, Grammarly, because you're making me the boss I gotta be to motivate my team to get out there. And, oh, man, you don't want to mess with them. Thanks, Grammarly. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free. Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. It's a waste. Don't waste hours on apps. Besides appetizers, that's the kind of apps I like. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Did you know that empanada is already Spanish? I didn't. 
Thanks, Babel. Did you know that burrito is already Spanish? Wow. I just got to learn all the rest. And eventually, I'm going to be eating downtown Mexico. Thanks, Babel. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. Now, it's a common misconception that Arthur Shawcross only killed sex workers during his second murder spree. But at least two of his victims were just regular folk who had the bad fortune to find themselves in Arthur's orbit. The first was 59-year-old Dorothy Keeler, who was a homeless loner who worked part-time at Arthur's favorite diner, and be Dunkin' Donuts. And she made four bucks an hour cleaning Shawcross's apartment while he and his wife were at work. This is like a fun, like, neighborhood character, it seems like. Like, she was definitely, she was a fixture on the Rochester scene, Um, a little ornery. She could get you that fucking piping hot double D whenever you need it. You know what I mean? Like, and get you there. Dunky Donuts, baby. Mm -hmm. Because America runs on Duncan. I heard that. Sometimes it causes you to run so far you end up killing 11 people. I see. So she's like that woman that I I, I YouTube this woman like way too much where the, I'm just going to go home, cook some, eat, eat some soups, get all fat and sassy. I love that woman. Get all fat and sassy. I love that woman. But one day, Keeler came over to Shawcross's apartment to ask if she could take a bath and wash her clothes because she was, after all, homeless. And after one thing led to another, Dorothy and Arthur began a two-month-long illicit relationship behind Rose's back. Then, on October 29, 1989, Shawcross was driving out to the river in Clara Neal's Dodge Omni when Dorothy saw him, waved him down, and took him up on his invitation to spend a couple hours fishing. Man, he's got his mystery. He is borrowing his side chick's car to pick up his third side chick who just so happens to have no place to go. He's not a SoundCloud rapper. <laughs> These are, this is not like side chick. This isn't, no, this is. Uh. Once they were isolated out in the country, Arthur brought up suspicions that Dorothy was stealing money from the house, and he threatened to fire her if she didn't return what was taken. But Dorothy fired a threat right back, promising to tell Rose about the affair should he choose to fire her. And that's when Shawcross began sweating. He picked up a log and with a single swing, broke her neck and killed her instantly. Mm. He then carried her body over to the tall grass where it decomposed down to the bones because nobody reported Dorothy Keeler missing. Three months later, Shawcross returned to the body, picked up the skull and nonchalantly tossed it into the river. As such, the headless body, when it was finally found, was identified only after Shawcross confessed to the crime. Wow. This is really the first time we'll see that how he did instinctively go back to the body. He would do this again and again. And he said, I did it to cover up evidence. And I was like, I don't think that he did it to cover up evidence. I Mm-mm. think he went to go he look at it. He left the whole body. Yes. <laughs> and he went, but he picked up the head and threw it in the river to think that all oh, then he's like dental records. Like he'll just uh, like some sure. antiquated okay. idea. And But he went to go look at the body, and I'm certain that he was looking at that body for a long time. That he'd go yeah. and he'd watch it in several states of several states of decomposition, Man. and then went and just played with the skull essentially. But he doesn't want to talk about the 
almost childlike macabre behavior that happens with these guys. Cause I feel like they revert to almost like childhood with Ted yeah. Bundy going back with the heads and making them talk and shit where it's like you, Damn. there's something about it's the ultimate fantasy. Cause you have total control over this dead body. Okay. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Shawcross's behavior in his personal life was just as alarming. One of Claire Neal's other daughters, Linda, reported that Shawcross had an unnatural interest in little boys and once held her 14-year-old son down on the kitchen floor and bit his nipple. Just as a joke. Oh, just, like, just joking. Just, just joking. Oh, my just God. Just joking. What does that even <laughs> horsing mean? Horsing around. He's horsing around. This is That's what, are you horsing around? I always, <laughs> I always leave the boy's nipples alone. Yeah. That is my one of my big oh my rules. God. Shawcross also began physically harassing Linda, once throwing her on the bed and jumping on top. And every time he came over, he'd chase Linda around and grab at her crotch, all while Linda's mother, Clara, just laughed and laughed. Yeah, she's training. He's training for me. That time we <laughs> yeah. play a game called Running Llama, where I pretend to be a llama, lose from the zoo. I'm down South America. He chases me around. and Oh, he gets that milk. He gets that llama milk from me, I tell you what. That is your daughter, though. It's kind of weird, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, it's a little strange. Good. <laughs> well, again, this is all childlike behavior. He's very childlike. And Arthur continued telling his Vietnam stories to children as well, regaling Linda's son with a terrifying tale about cutting a Vietnamese woman from neck to crotch, thinking the child would be impressed. But this psychopathic behavior was only the tip of the iceberg, and the killings continued unabated. In September of 1989, Shawcross found 25-year-old Patricia Ives, known on the street as Crazy Patty. Shawcross said he took her behind the YMCA after haggling down the price of a half-and-half, where they both found a spot under a tree. But when some kids started screwing around near where Arthur and Patty were having sex, Arthur threatened he'd hurt her if she didn't stay quiet, and he kept going. Now, even though Patty was young, she was still street-smart enough to recognize a bad situation, and when she realized what was happening, or at least what Shawcross was leading up to, she told him that she knew he'd killed Anne-Marie Steffen, and she tried to escape. But when she started struggling, Shawcross put his full weight on her body and strangled her to death, continuing to have sex even after she was dead. He then dragged her body to a hole in the ground and tossed a wooden board on top. But before he left, he took Patty's wedding ring from her finger and later gave it to Clara Neal claiming it came from one of his ex-wives. And until she died, Clara believed him, refusing to acknowledge that it came from the finger of a murder victim. Every woman oh, loves, man. they love to get the wedding ring from an ex-marriage. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> no, every woman loves it because they it's know. It's an heirloom. No, no, because now they're like, no, this is a new leaf. Yes, it's the same ring. Sure. Yes, it comes from the body of a dead woman. But at the same time, hey... We're married now. Think about the circle and what the circle means, how it can never end but never begins. Sure. Now, although it seemed like he'd done a half-ass job of hiding the body, Patty wasn't found for weeks, and the cops didn't even start looking until she was finally reported missing by her pimp, Ratface Billy. His name is Ratface Billy? Honestly, I wish you guys would just start calling me Billy. Yep. Because this this nickname has been hurt my feelings this entire time. Billy? Yeah, I have a skinny face, but that's yep. because my my mom had a small vagina. Well, <laughs> Billy, I'm sorry. Your face looks of that of a rat. 
So uh, no. you're a rat face, Billy. And I love cheese. I know. It's funny when you eat it. But even though witnesses said Patty was last seen with Arthur Shawcross, the cops neglected to question him because all the girls knew him as Mitch. And the police didn't really want to try that hard to find out who he really was. Because they would have had a stakeout. Look for the guy in the Dodge Omni, and no just one really wants to do that. Just eat a freaking white link with your buddy and just do a stakeout. It is so I much fun. These cops are not. Isn't that fun cop work to be like, it's a stakeout. Stake Henry, out. if, if all Give three of us two. got to do stakeouts. I would love it. We do two stakeout movies. Do you remember with Richard Dreyfus? I know. But I would honestly, I loved it. We would have so much fun on a stakeout. Yes. And now the thing is, people say, like, well, if civilians just do a fucking stakeout, it's called stalking someone for no reason. That's true. But I still want to do one just to see whatever everybody's behavior is i just want to eat all the snacks yeah <laughs> you know the two of you can just go sit in ben's car and eat snacks for hours but a part of it is you got to be watching somebody yeah you got to watch somebody <laughs> who's guilty yeah <laughs> even if it's a crime we made up for them yeah <laughs> oh you should guy you guys should buy one of those maps to the celebrities homes and stake those houses out Ooh. yeah that's such a good idea because they really live there <laughs> honestly they do it's actually in a massive invasion of their privacy but yeah mm. it's, i guess the what we consider to be the tax of living a frivolous life. I suppose so. (laughs) But since Arthur now had five victims in Rochester, the press had finally picked up on Shawcross's trail of bodies. And of course, they gave him a variety of names. I mean, they were okay. It was the Rochester Strangler. That was one of them. There was the Rochester Night Stalker, which is a bit wordy. It's a mouthful. What is this, created by the fucking Rochester Tourism Board? They were like, we got people have to know that there's not just one city in New York State. We got the garbage plate. Susan B. Anthony was made here. Can you believe there's the so many? Don't there, forget actually, the there were several scenes from the Amazing Spider-Man Two that were filmed Isn't in Rochester. That, right? that is also true. Isn't that something? There's the scene with the gas station, and then there's the scene where Tom Holland did not come, though he could not make it to he Rochester. No, it no, 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 no. Finally, though, the press settled on the Genesee River Killer, best one, but that didn't slow down Arthur Shawcross. Next was June Stott, another victim outside of Rochester's sex worker community killed less than a month after Patricia Ives. June was mentally subnormal, a well-liked neighborhood character who good-naturedly wandered from apartment to apartment for meals and companionship. Get all fat and sassy. Yes, it is just like that. According to Arthur, he saw her sitting on a park bench in late October of 1989, and seeing how June had eaten dinner at Arthur's apartment a couple of times, he offered her a ride. And that day, they had a date of sorts, walking along the beaches of the Genesee River while feeding the birds. But once they were in a secluded spot, Arthur claimed that June, innocent as she was, asked him to teach her how to make love. Why does each one of his stories sound like an erotic letter from a trucker porn magazine? <laughs> I mean, don't do truckers like that. I mean, truckers know yeah, about truck- erotic. Have you ever seen Have you ever seen a fucking copy of Nugget magazine? Yeah. I, I also I watched this documentary about uh truck stop sex workers uh, lot called Lot Lizards and it's yeah. uh woo, it's disturbing. The women lead dangerous lives. Very. Well, do you want the products delivered or not? I, no, I'm not. <laughs> I believe that truckers should be getting sex. And, and I think that that's important. That's why I think sex work should be legalized. And I uh, honestly, they should probably have dick sucking machines and a couple of these cross country trucks just so they stop killing drifters. Yeah. You know what? I, I agree with that. Legalize but, it. Legalize it. Legalize it. it. <laughs> Don't decide it. But when 
Arthur tried, quote unquote, teaching her, she lost it and started screaming that she was going to tell everyone. And it's at that point that Shawcross covered her mouth with his hand and suffocated her. He left the body naked on the shore where he killed her. But like Dorothy Keeler, he returned, which is interesting because from what it seems like to me, Arthur only returned to the bodies of the people he knew personally. He never returned to any of the sex workers except the ones that he knew, Mm. which I'm not sure why. We'll get into it because I feel like he did it later on, too. He did do it the once when he got caught, but I feel like he was purposely trying to get caught. But that was but he knew that woman. Yes. That was that was that was June Cicero. He knew her. It's something about completing the sexual fantasy. There's something about now that I know this woman, I know her. So I maybe was in my own with maybe Arthur Sharkcross was like always kind of sexually attracted to June Scott. Right. And then now you have total control over her body. So you maybe have had some sort of maybe it's it seems like there's a lot of it is people he led into his personal circle as well. People he invited to work in his home people. And then it seems like he had almost was building a victim's list in his own head as he was going grooming them in a way for them to feel comfortable with him i think sometimes he'd like to say that a lot of it was kind of pat quote unquote like spur of the moment but i think there was a lot more premeditation than than you might think with somebody as simple-minded as arthur shawcross i think that he was building a victim profile and that he would find somebody and kind of groom them into being, because I was watching that cannibal documentary has an interview with Arthur Shawcross where he's with a younger woman. And it's really the first time I saw him go into grandpa mode where Mm -hmm. he was like making stupid jokes. And there was like a part of me, I was like, man, he sounds just like my fucking pop pop. And that was like the first time I got really scared of him because it's like oh this is the side they saw they saw this bumbling blinky fucking dumb shit looking guy elmer fudd yeah elmer fudd like making silly jokes with them and they were completely disarmed and then all of a sudden they trusted him like (sighs) mitch really was a different guy than art and the other side of that uh interview the one where it shows him with his uh granddaughter the other side of that is in the Arthur in the Shawcross letters the book he talks about that granddaughter but talks about her he's like I want to teach that piece of ass how to fuck it's like oh it's this God. it is this other it, it, there is this these two sides like there's this the shiny coin on top and then the fucking fungus covered underbelly other than jamming nails up his ass he really is like Albert Fish he's very similar and mm. I also think when you see his reconnection with the granddaughter you see the same sort of personality disorder stripe in that family because mm-hmm. they're purposefully doubling down on seeing and making the serial killer to be a part of their family even though like it's done to basically say a fuck you to the world being like yeah we're happy with our family lineage and it's like i don't know man he killed he killed people you he raped and killed two little kids your kids age it's very yeah. intense well- well, one of them, yeah, Oof. one of the girls was a uh, a teenager, and in the picture that with Arthur Shawcross of them going and uh, seeing him in prison, she's happy as a pig and shit, or at yeah. least she appears to be so, and she's also wearing a Burzum t-shirt, so you know her taste. <laughs> wow, <Yeah>. wow, <laughs> all right. Do we know that pigs actually love shit? Yeah, well, they don't mind it. I don't know. I feel like if you cleaned up the pig pen, they wouldn't complain. They like mud. <laughs> they like mud. But they shit in the mud. And then it all becomes one thing. I think so. Okay. But with June Stott, Arthur Shawcross took the return trip to a horrific new level. 
A week after killing her, Shawcross went to the body and found it in the exact spot where he'd left it, lying face down. After sitting there for a while, he turned the body over, had sex with the corpse, and brought out June's own pocket knife that Arthur had stolen off her body after murdering her. Using her own knife, he opened the body in one long gash from the neck down around to the anus before cutting out what parts of the vagina he could manage to get loose. He then ate the lump of flesh, then dragged the body to a nearby swamp where he covered it with a rug and left. So this is a week of decomposition. A week, yeah. So... Like, that's, I mean, that's, like, pretty liquefied, right? Uh, it's like, getting there. So you can see, like... Putrefaction, putrefaction oh. has begun, yeah. Now, oh, do you man. notice, this is the exact mirroring of his fake stories from Vietnam. So, <sighs> it seems like he finally built the, I'm going to say the word confidence, to go into the crime scene and do the, do his fantasy. Like, he mm-hmm. finally is expressing sure. it. And then that would give, that's weird, that's what gives it the weird bottom layer of truth when he tells the Vietnam stories later on, that he now has done the thing that he had pretended to do. Oh. Yeah. So he's just like, what's the difference if it's Rochester or Vietnam? Yeah. I did do I it. I did do it. <laughs> oh, that's freaking disgusting. But Shawcross's return to the body was what eventually gave the police the information they needed to eventually catch him. Investigators knew that Shawcross had returned to the body days after killing her because when a person dies, the blood still in the body falls victim to gravity. Mm -hmm. As a result, the blood pools in the corpse on whichever side of the body is laying on the ground. And since the blood in this corpse had obviously pooled in the front and the body was found in the opposite position, police knew the killer had returned to the scene. Oh my God! Are we talking about police work here? Did they do it? <laughs> they did. Wow! Uh, only after the press started making a lot of fucking noise. Wow! However, Rochester police were still unwilling to admit they had a serial killer on the loose. But one detective, a veteran named Billy Barnes, kept hounding the brass because he knew that the Genesee River killer would strike again. I gotta find this killer before the cancer kills me. <laughs> that, that's always a good way to give a homicide detective an edge. Just give him colon cancer. Yeah. And Arthur Shawcross killed many more times. There was Maria Walsh who tried saving her own life by telling Arthur she loved him right before he killed her. There was Francis Brown, who urinated on Arthur's face as he killed her through suffocation during 69 using his disturbingly large penis. And finally, there was Kimberly Logan, who was found naked and beaten with leaves stuffed down her throat. So, with eight victims in their own backyard, someone finally listened to Billy Barnes, and 60 officers were assigned to the case. Now, at this point, having the knowledge that a serial killer in training was living in their town would have been helpful information to the police. Yeah. But even though the Genesee River killings were statewide news, it reached New York City by this point and Albany. No one at the parole board thought to tell investigators about Arthur Shawcross. What is wrong with them? They're just looking at it going, maybe it's not him. (laughs) Why did you let him go? Because he said nice things at the one meeting and then we all just kind of like looked at each other and said he's kind of like my pop pop. (laughs) Jeez. However, Shawcross did have survivors. 
Joanne Nostrand agreed to a half-and-half half for $40, but as she drove off with Arthur and he began babbling about rifles, she had the distinct feeling that she was riding with the Genesee River Killer. During their 40-minute session, Joanne said Arthur's hands kept floating up towards her neck, and she kept swatting him away with stop, one stop, hand stop, 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 stop. while holding a knife next to her leg with the other. When Arthur asked her about the knife, she said it's sharp and it's open, and if he bothered her, she'd fuck him up, further adding, quote, There's a killer around. I'm prepared to meet my maker and take that motherfucker with me. Hell yeah. Damn, all right. <laughs> yeah, you don't fuck with Joanne Van Nostra. I ain't fuck with nobody. Eventually, he held her down, and from what she said, he began sweating enough for her to notice. That's the corroboration. Right. But probably because she was armed, he held back and instead asked her to pretend she was dead. And when she did... He came and drove her home. That's the easiest day she probably had. You just have to sit there and act dead. That's, I mean, I wish that could work for all of these guys. It just, so he, so he didn't actually have to follow through with the act. It was like he could cosplay it and it would work for him. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, at least that's what it sounds like. Oh my but God. But that's okay. the thing is that it's probably worked, but it probably wasn't what, he, it's not what he wanted. That's no. not what he wanted to do. He said, they, you ask the right. question, why do serial killers kill? They do it because they want to do it. Right. Well, Joanne said that after Arthur dropped her off, she went inside and told her boyfriend that she'd just fucked the Rochester Strangler. What? And they laughed about it and got high, forgetting about the incident until Arthur Shawcross was arrested one month and four victims later. Wow. See, at this point, Shawcross had entered the berserker mode that many serial killers encounter when the urge to kill overrides the self-preservation that's necessary to avoid being captured. Mm. See, while Arthur's second murder spree lasted a little less than two years, seven out of his 12 victims were all killed in just two months, from November to December in 1989. Wow. Three days after dropping off Joanne Van Nostren, Shawcross went into a restaurant one night to pick up a chicken dinner. And when he came out, sex worker Liz Gibson, who recognized him through the window as Mitch the Regular, was sitting on the hood of Clara Neal's Dodge Omni. She asked if he was looking for a date. And when he said all he had on him was $14, she said that'll get oral. But while he was performing the act on her... He claimed that she grabbed his wallet. More horseshit. Every single time he claimed somebody was trying to, f to steal from him, I think it was absolute horseshit. Yeah, he's not I exactly so. Mr. Moneybags. No. Yeah. Well, again, filled with rage, he slapped her. And when she fought back, he put his full weight on her throat. And in his words, he pushed her to death with his wrist while she dug her fingernails into his face. But in the fracas... Liz had kicked and broken the gear shift in the Dodge Omni, and when Shawcross told Clara Neal about the quote-unquote accident, she, for the first time, began to suspect that maybe there was something fishy about Shawcross's long nights borrowing the car. Yeah! Both women refused to question any of his behavior. Arthur Shawcross, for some I mean, reason, got away with it. of him? I think it's a reflection on, if, if he's bad, then they're bad. Ah, see, it's sure. a little bit of that, and yes, and I also think that Rose, very much so, according to Arthur Shawcross, Rose will let him do whatever. Like, yeah. Rose just kind of knew that he fucked around because right. he was just too much man for her. And then Clara was truly, like, a, like fucking gaga 
for Arthur Shawcross. She oh, loved my goodness. him. And so they just were letting him do fucking whatever. All right. Yeah. And Clara was a monster in her own right for different yep. reasons. Sure. So after that, Shawcross killed two more women in less than a week, murdering Darlene Trippy after she called him a little boy following his inability to get an erection and killing June Cicero two days later. With June, however, Shawcross returned to the body because he'd gotten to know her in a customer-client relationship. According to the other girls on the street, June only got into cars with people she knew, so we know there was some sort of connection there. Okay. A few days after killing June Cicero, Shawcross returned to the body that he'd nonchalantly pushed into a snowdrift out of Clara Neal's other car, a Chevrolet Celebrity. Clara Neal's like fucking Jay Leno. Yeah, she had a lot of cars. That's for damn yeah. sure. The Jay Leno of boxy pieces of shit. Yeah, is he? That's just Jay Leno. That's the Jay Leno of Jay Leno. He's just a normal guy. He just sits there with the car magazines. It's the funniest guy you've ever seen. He's just how guys are. You he's, know? A, he's a man's man. He's a man's man. But unlike with June Stott, this time Arthur brought a hacksaw. After pulling the frozen body out of the ice, Shawcross tried sawing out the sexual organs with the intent of giving them to Clara's son, Robert Lee. What? Now, it seems like the Neal family had its own problems. What yeah, do you mean? Yeah, I'd go out on a limb and I'd say that. This is me on a limb. Whoa, yeah, yeah, yeah. Help, help, help. The apples are here. The squirrels are torturing me. Well, Robert Lee had been bugging Arthur for a deer vagina for months. Yeah. What? Get <laughs> No, I and don't know how it is. <laughs> and according to Arthur, he hadn't been able to fulfill this request because they were only encountering bucks on their hunting trips. Now, this claim in and of itself is a little suspicious. Because it's a lot harder to even find a buck while hunting, much less being able to kill it. Daddy, daddy, I want a deer <laughs> vagina. Oh, my oh, God. Would you have any, hey, Andrew Thomas, any idea how long I'm going to have to wait online on Christmas Eve to get a deer <laughs> vagina now? Not asking me. Jeez, what in the world's going on in Rochester? And besides, Arthur's way of hunting was not at all particular, and it was specifically sociopathic. Instead of using a gun, Arthur would mix black powder with farming salt. And when the deer would come for the lick, it would cause such dehydration that they'd drink water until they couldn't move. And Arthur would walk up and slit their throat. That's so fucking lazy. That's it's insane. Lazy. Yeah. And it's only for killing. And see, he didn't use the meat or anything like that. It didn't matter wow. what, ca- because it's not like you're fucking, you can, you know, focus on a buck or anything like that. Like you're just fucking killing for the sake of killing. Not right. And it's all this that makes me think that maybe Arthur's claim that he was harvesting a victim's vagina for his girlfriend's son was a little suspect. But from what he said, he cut it out, but got too excited to take it to Robert Lee. So he ate it on the spot. Oh, God, no. Cannibals, it's called, it's a really interesting documentary called Cannibals, The Real Hannibal Lecters, which is an interesting documentary. And he, you know, he always, he does the very standard being like, People always ask me what human meat tastes like. You ever had a bit of steak with uh, the fat on the end? Sure, like, yeah, that's the they grizzle, always, yeah. That's who the only who he describes it. But it's the I oh. know that he loves talking about it, so that immediately sus over anything that he says, like, openly. Also, because I think yeah. he's full of shit. Hannibal Lecter was a doctor. <laughs> I mean, I feel like we put these people on a pedestal. These are not Hannibal Lecters. But Arthur Shawcross, in my mind, I, I really do think that he did it. I think that yeah. he did uh, commit cannibalism. Ugh. Because if you watch, this documentary does a really good case of showing Issei Sagawa, Chikatilo, 
Arthur Shawcross and Jeffrey Dahmer. And besides necessarily from Jeffrey Dahmer, all of the rest of them had very severe frontal lobe damage. Mm-hmm. And it seems that that is inherently connected to like cannibal crimes where huh. it yeah. is impulse control. You have no impulse control. So he looked at this thing and just simply to fulfill something but like I don't know what isn't the hell it was. easier not to cut off somebody's vagina and eat it yeah. when it comes to impulse control like it's <laughs> easier I don't understand like how does that mean impulse control yeah it's like it's easier to go to the store instead of building a garden it's easier <laughs> to rent an apartment rather than build your own cabin sure yeah and that's the thing I, I think the second part is true is because unlike the Vietnam stories uh, there was forensic evidence to support the claim that he practiced cannibalism because okay. June Cicero's body was mutilated in a consistent manner with Shawcross's story but even though June Cicero would not be found until after Shawcross had been caught the pattern of returning the bodies was established as far as the police were concerned. The problem with having this information, though, was that cops couldn't really do anything until they had another body. But as opposed to other serial killer investigations, like, say, the investigation into Andre Ciccatello, it only took one more body before Shaw Cross was locked up forever. His last victim was Felicia Stevens, killed on December 28, 1989. That night, Shaw Cross was in the gray celebrity, and Felicia ran up to the side of the vehicle and stuck her head in the passenger window to ask if he wanted a date. But Shaw Cross, feeling bold, rolled up the automatic window and caught Felicia in the throat. He then reached over and choked her while she screamed until she passed out. Then he unrolled the window, pulled her through, and finish the job. Now, the reason why there was no sex to go along with this murder was because Felicia Stevens was black, and not surprisingly, Shawcross was racist on top of everything else, saying he only killed Felicia to muddle up the investigation. Oh, my God. And that's because his his favorite Dunkin' Donuts was also a cop hangout. And this is true. This is not a bit like he'd sit there and he'd listen to the cops talk about the investigation. Yes, very similar, where he kind of accidentally heard them talking about this shit and then basically just saying he goes after white sex workers. Interesting. And so he immediately like, I don't think he's cunning in many ways, but this was his like attempt at being cunning. Okay. But as it was, Felicia was the victim that got Shawcross caught. She was reported missing very quickly, which caused the police to search the surrounding areas for the body, and it was while searching that they found Arthur Shawcross. Arthur had driven the Chevrolet celebrity to Salmon Creek for a second visit to June Cicero's body, which by then was encased in ice. Remember, this is December in upstate New York. Right. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, according to RochesterIsGreat.com, they get up to almost, this is true, Rochester, uh-huh. you better like snow because if you're going to move to Rochester, it gets hit with a medium annual average of 89.3 inches. Wow. <laughs> and that, what an interesting fact that is yep. about Rochester. But just as he was getting out of the car, he was spotted by a state police surveillance helicopter looking for Felicia Stevens. Pretty soon, the cops were on Shawcross, who had no good reason to be out there, other than he just stopped at the murder site to, by his explanation, piss in a plastic water bottle. It was all a coincidence. It's fucking, and that's horseshit to me. That is horseshit. I know he was visiting the body, and I don't know 
why he did it, especially because I do believe that there is a pattern that he knew the other victims that he when he would visit the bodies afterwards. And then I some there's a part of me wonders, does he want to be caught? And there's another part of me that just says, or was he just deciding to was he about to start a whole new wing of murders where he would always go? each time and then that became a favorite part of the process because you Mm -hmm. know somebody like Dahmer discovers over time that I don't I don't like the killing I just need a body right once the detectives began to question Shawcross and look into his background they discovered the child murders and heard all his bogus Vietnam stories including a new one about how he'd use a baby bottle nipple to make a silencer for his M16 which is fucking impossible does that work no it does not work (laughs) no A baby bottle nipple can't even silence a baby. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you really get it down in the throat. Don't do that. And while he denied ever sleeping with a sex worker, he was pretty free with talking about sex with his sister when he was a teenager. And he regaled cops with stories about how he only had sex with his wife when she was on top. Great. Cool brag. Thank thank you for that information. (laughs) Now, there was one quote-unquote expert at the police station who said it was impossible for a person to switch from killing children to killing adults. And he's like, you better let him go. Oh, my God. (laughs) Who are these people? Why would that be impossible? It seems totally possible. It's against the data. Yeah, it's against the the trending data that they go switch from Uh another. But they don't understand that it was like, no, he was just looking for whoever was vulnerable. No, 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 no. There's no way that Ben Kissel was drunk because he only drinks Bud Light and it was obvious that he smelled like whiskey. (laughs) (laughs) What are you talking about? Well, it's rare. Uh, But the rest of the cops told him, shut the fuck up. Because they knew they had their guy. Oddly, though, what finally got Shawcross to admit to the murderers was when the cops threatened Clara Neal. They said they'd arrest her because Shawcross had used her Omni and her celebrity in the commission of the crimes. And when they threatened her, he confessed and began with the murder of Liz Gibson. After that, he asked for a map and victim photos from unsolved murders and took credit for the ones he killed while showing cops exactly where he left the bodies while never taking credit for anyone else's crimes. In the ultimate, like, big fat guy with the beer belly, like, version of this, they handed him a pile of pictures of missing women. And he went through it and it was like, uh, he said it was like playing cards where he went like, no, yep, that one. Oh my did that god. One, did that one like and then just like threw them out yeah. onto the table. Jeez. Yeah. And with each murder, of course, it was the victim's fault every time. Yeah. They'd bit his penis. They'd broken his gear shift. Uh, they called uh, him names uh, and so yeah, on and so forth. <laughs> now, like most serial killers, he tried pleading not guilty by reason of insanity at trial, saying that Vietnam and childhood sexual abuse had caused PTSD that manifested as multiple personalities. And they were the ones who killed the women. I'll tell you straight up, I'm certain that he suffered from some form of PTSD, but he just also had asshole disease. Yeah. And the motor we discovered <laughs> a lot of is that if PTSD. You, if you have a form of antisocial behavior problems mixed with any of the that's the fucking evil deadly secret sauce, is that you yeah. have to both have a total disregard for any human life Absolutely. mixed with whatever the hell it is you there's, got. There's no excuse for, for those for these actions. But as far as what was actually wrong with Arthur Shawcross, Jack Olson laid out an interesting theory in his book, The Misbegotten Son. He said that Shawcross had an overabundance of bile, ten times the normal amount, (laughs) which was a sign of a disease called pyroluria. 
There was one term I heard for it. I think I want to say it's called like cryptamine. I forget that there's another like term, but it is just bile. But yeah. it's fucking shit that's it's toxins that's supposed to come out in your pee. But instead, it fucking stays in your blood. And yeah. what it, it's structurally similar to LSD. So they think that maybe this is my whole thing. I really do believe Arthur Shawcross existed in a fog. Yeah. And so he was kind of half tripping balls half the time on his own fucking blood bile. On his own bile? Yeah. And he also was, uh, he was a shithead and he was everything else. So there was just like, and that's why I think there's a, there's a whole disconnect between every single one of his stories. And he also was a liar. Right. So it's all mixed it's in. It's all together. Yeah. Well, people with pyroluria sometimes have terrible behavioral problems and huge mood swings they're usually night people because light bothers them they can't handle stress they're pale they go gray at a young age all of this shit describes arthur shawcross they also have abnormal fat distribution which also explains arthur shawcross's abnormal body shape and his weird misshapen head It is very weird. Yeah. I have a, actually, this is a disorder that causes me to look like the Michelin Man. This is actually, um, so I prefer you to call me yeah. by my proper pronouns, tire man, tire they. <laughs> but even so, no one bought the insanity defense, and Good. Arthur Shawcross was sentenced to 250 years in prison, where he died of a heart attack in 2008 as a weird, gross old man who, till the day he expired, continued telling his grotesque tales to anyone who would listen. Oh, and you well, can go look up his poetry, which do is not. all. I'm going to go as far as to say it's derivative. It's not um, derivative. It's exactly copied from the Bible in some places. Derivative. He just copied the love. Love is kind. The love is kind thing. He's like, I wrote this poem. And it's wonderful. Yeah, you did. He All did the right. poem. But also poetry and serial killers at this point is hack because yeah. Berkowitz was really the only true serial killer poet. We know this. Sure. Yes, and he do. went as they started talking. So I think he just kind of copied because you started to like serial killers become aware of the in prison behavior of other serial killers and the way they promote their name uh-huh. after the fact. So you can kind of see him wanting to get in on the bandwagon like a bunch of 40-year-old comedians that we know trying to do TikTok. He's a real Jim He's Morrison. He's just doing the same <laughs> shit. Um, all right, everyone. That's Arthur Shawcross, a, a disgusting tale that does not reflect the great people of Rochester. Um, <laughs> thank you all so much for listening. We, I want to go to Rochester now. We, well, we're going to have to. Yes. We're going to have to now, and we're going to go put on a hell of a show whenever we can. Thank you all so much for listening to this series uh hope you were uh edutained because we always do learn things about the uh the human psyche uh when we cover these true sociopaths so thank you all so much for supporting the show um yeah for you know you know where to find all the other shows here whiz brew top hat kind of fun has expanded into all sports not just wrestling you guys are really gonna i'm very yes. excited to hear all of your takes on the, all of the uh the football and the basketball and the basketball who's your favorite and- player right now in football who do you think is what do you think about week one henry Oh, I love it. Anyone? Reginard Reginard Gibson. And who does he play for? (laughs) For the um, Toledo Mountain Bears. You you are wrong on everything. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yes. So thank you all so much for your support. And uh, of course, we uh, we love being with you. And we will get through all of this stuff together as always. Never forget, hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Again. Magustalations, everyone. Hail me. Do a hail. You yeah. gotta hail me. Sure. If you're gonna hail someone, you gotta hail me. All right, I'm fine with it. 
This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Here you are. BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, let me just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. 